most people think. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of What Most People Think. It's autumn. It's properly autumn. Who are you fucking psychopaths? This week, it always happens every year that some people, you get these people crawl out of the woodwork that will go, oh, I, love, I love autumn. Actually, I really love autumn. You know, it's just such a lovely season, you know, with the leaves and, you know, you get to wear jumpers. Can, can I barbecue now? Can I sit? In a pub beer garden? You fucking psychopaths, you know. In a weird way, the strange thing about government is like, They've been doing all these restrictions recently. If you just wait for autumn, people stay in the houses way more in autumn. Autumn is a lockdown restriction in and of itself. That first day where you're going, no, this is definitely shitty weather, uh, is better than any lockdown restriction. Just, just on one note about lockdown restrictions, if you notice that there haven't been any down south, because uh, in, in, a, in a shock development, southerners don't visit each other as much, you know? I know it's like up north, it's all you're in and out of each other's houses, chatting over the walls, right? That's how it works, isn't it? Lending each other sugar, training each other's whippets, that sort of thing. Uh, listen, welcome back to the show. If, if last week was the first week that you listened, there was a big reaction to the episode with Tanya Edwards, who is a stand-up comedi- comedian who had very strong views about COVID and was very uh, strongly anti-lockdown. Now, I think that we've had quite a lot of COVID and Brexit. So what I'm going to do is we're going to deal with that in the letters because I'm doing a new thing for patrons only, which is a right of reply because sometimes I have guests on which are, who are quite contentious, you know, like people like Marcus Brigstock, Andrew Doyle, you know, they got strong reactions, or overwhelmingly positive, but some people wanted to have their say. So uh, on the Patreon this week, I gave a right of reply to Tanya Edwards, and uh, we'll be dealing with that in the letter section. Now, when it comes to Patreon, I read out, I read every message that you send as well. But join Patreon if you want to be involved in all that. I did a, a, a little mini TV format the other week called the What Most People Think News Desk. And I'm going to do another one. I'm trying to do one per month, and I'm going to do another one next week. This week, we only had one uh, £10 Patreon, which is probably because the government made everybody shit themselves. Do you know what I mean? No wonder like people look around, fucking... Like, Keith Hotton's obviously doing all right. Keith Hotton. I mean, Keith, I don't know... If there are many jokes that I could do about your name that you haven't heard, uh, Mr. Hotton, I mean, that, <laughs> weirdly, the Keith takes the edge of it. When you sound like Mr. Hotton, I hope to God, Keith Hotton, that you're not a teacher. But thank you so much for your support, Keith. Uh, we also do a cuss count. Last week, the cuss count was low. Now, we all know that I um, tend to put on my airs and graces when we have a guest. But I mean, and let's be honest, in the episode with Tanya, I didn't speak as much. It's fair to say. Uh, the cuss count was as follows. Four fuck. Four fucks. One fuckers. Uh, seven fuckings. One pissed. Five shits. One shitting. And one shitters. I don't even know. I don't think I've ever used I didn't think I'd ever used the word shitters. So I think that is debut swear word shitters. The fucking, the shitters. I don't, I don't even know. I have to listen to that back. I don't even know what the context is for that. Maybe we'll have to get that added to Urban Dictionary. Shitters, a group of people who make decisions exemplifying weakness and risk aversion. A pack of shitters. <laughs> Matt Hancock, is he one of the shitters? I think he might be. Um, we had a, a swear ratio, probably the lowest it's ever been. 0.33 swears per minute. So if this was cricket, we're probably going back to the opening day of a test match in the 90s. That That is a very low uh, run rate. And, and Tanya... Uh, she managed, well, as my good friend David Domain um, 
puts it, David Domain, who does the sort of tally count for all the swear words, he put it, uh, Tanya, Tanya Edwards managed one shit during the interview. <laughs> I wish she fucking kept that quiet, didn't she? Uh, just curl one out. What a woman. Um, so this week we're going to be talking about slightly different things to COVID and Brexit. We're looking at the Trump-Biden debate which happened this week. And there was also this thing where Fred Perry re- uh, removed one of their T-shirts, the black and gold one, because it had associations with uh, with a far-right group. And then we'll just have a quick chat about autumn because I think you people need to be taken to task. You absolute fucking... Get help. All right, if autumn is your autumn is your favourite season, then get help. Um, quick thank you and a fuck you. The thank you is to soup. I'd like to say a big thank you to soup because you know when those first few cold days happen the other day, you sort of forget soup is an option. It's almost like you forget you've got a big coat, don't you? You know, April to May, it slowly phases out and then you spend a long time where you're like, who gives a fuck about soup? Do you know what I mean? I don't want soup. And then I came in, I had a soup, and I realised, like, I, I went through that period, like anyone who's going through sort of middle-class gentrification, where you, you sort of try and do the fancy soups. Do you know the one in Waitrose, you know, Mama's chicken broth, and uh, you, you overcomplicate it. You don't need to complicate it. When it comes to soup, right, there are essentially three flavours. Tomato soup, cream of chicken soup, and oxtail. Beyond that, you just, you're needlessly complicated. They don't need, just Heinz. You don't even need to get anything else. Just... I realised recently I've got I've sort of um, regressed a little bit when it comes to food. I really like basic foods, you know what I mean? I like uh, I like oven meals. I've got I probably have two oven meals a week. I don't I don't need food. So I, I like I, I still like a Finder's crispy pancake. I tell you what, if some hipster twat, you know, like the ones that open the cereal cafes, if someone did that for like eighties oven meals, I would go. Even though I would slag it off online and then I would go in disguise because sometimes sometimes nasty food is better. You know, chipsticks, I always quote them as an example. Chipsticks, it doesn't matter. 15p a packet, it doesn't matter. The cheaper, the better, right? Uh, the kind of cheese you put on cheese and pineapple on a stick. You don't even want good cheese for that. You don't even want it to taste of cheese. You just want it to be reminiscent of cheese. I, I find with sausages, you know, you get these ones now that sort of go 98% meat. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want 98% meat. Do you know what I mean? I probably want it around 60, 70%. I want it to be a little, it's like... It's like sex. I want it to be a little bit nasty. <laughs> oh, sorry, I have to cover that. Not nasty as in, you know what I mean. Uh, anyway, uh, the fuck you is to society, actually. Uh, I was picking my son up from school the other day and we arrived a bit early. And uh, it was just me and three other dads. And I would say we all felt the same thing was that this looks a bit nonsy. Uh, there's just something, you can't get away from it. Because of fucking yew tree, yet three blokes standing round. And because we're all in our midweek... I'm working from home clothes. None of us were well-dressed. We're all a bit schlubby looking, you know. None of us had sort of like looked well-shaven or anything like that. Just standing outside a primary school looking at our... Fi- yeah, and then we were sort of seated. Then the first time my mum showed up, we were like, oh, thank fuck for that. Jesus Christ. You know. I mean, it's just changed, isn't it? It's just changed around kids. After you tree it could never be the same. I mean, for example, you can never sit and read a novel in a playground alone, can you? Just picture that. Loads of kids playing... Bloke reading novel. Doesn't really work, does it? So, uh, well, thank you very much, Jimmy Savile. We're going to be talking about the debate that happened this week between Trump and Biden. I don't know about you, I was like, it was weird going to bed the previous night. It was like one of those nights where there's going to be Ashes cricket on and you know you're not going to stay up and watch it. Be like, oh my God, when I wake up, this thing would have happened. And I mean, it could be anything, you know? Given, given the stakes, it could have been like the political equivalent of uh, Tyson biting Holyfield's ear. <laughs> 
you know, but I suppose they're both old men. You know, the ear it'd be quite it'd be quite difficult to get. It wouldn't be a pert ear, would it? I mean, their age was a concern. Their age was a concern. I sort of thought that there could be like a, a drinking game for them at that age. Is you got to drink every time they momentarily look like they forgot what they're about to say, or even why they went in the room. I mean, just like imagine. I mean, I've always had a prejudice against older men in politics, but can you imagine? Right? What is it? Trump's seventy-two something. Biden's seventy-eight. Is that about right? They're both in the seventies. If you've got men in your family of that age, just imagine them being involved in something so high level. I mean, like, so just start, they probably don't even like, they're probably not even trusted to do menial tasks by their wives anymore in the family. Like, do you, can you imagine, like, just imagine a male relative in his 70s and then you speak to, like, your nan or your mum or whatever. She's going, yeah, yeah, I've let, I've let, I've let your dad organise Christmas. <laughs> you go, what the fuck? Are you mental? There won't be, you just cancel Christmas, mum. So now scale that all the way up, you know what I mean, from like booking a holiday. You know how stressed they get when they booked holiday. <laughs> now, imagine them vying to be the most powerful man on earth. So you can't tell me that they weren't on some heavy duty medication for that. Joe Biden, I don't know fucking how many beta blockers that guy's on or what kind of weird Ritalin type shit. Because it was really weird. If you watched it, like his eyes looked... He looked like he was being like radio controlled, like he was one of those kind of, uh, like you know, like impractical jokers. He he did look like he had, <laughs> he had an earpiece. It was like going, uh, okay, okay, now now say to Trump, ah, oh, shut up, man. That's funny. That's funny when um, he said that. Actually, it was quite a human moment from Biden because Trump was. Let's be honest. The good thing about you know being where I am politically, I don't like Trump, but equally, I feel like I can come at this with a fair degree of objectivity. Trump was more annoying. Uh, in this debate. He, he broke the rules more often. It's not to say Biden didn't do it at all. But what seemed to happen was Trump came out, right? And and at the first two minutes, he was asked a question and he, I thought he gave a quite a good answer. And I thought, fucking hell, the Donald seems vaguely presidential here. This isn't bad. Like, he, sh- he should stick with this. And then within like two minutes, he tried to turn it into a street brawl. Like, he, he clearly thought, right, I'm going to get at Biden. He's an old duffer. If I get in his face early on, I can scramble him. And it'll probably end up within five minutes. He'll be going, nurse! Um, so, and that did sort of happen initially. Biden was just like, what the fuck? Um, and then, but weirdly, and, and this is where Biden might have come out overall with more credit, is that, um, that he kind of regained his composure on some level. And, and he kind of duked it out. And the fact that he stood up to Trump probably was, you know, a good thing, a good outcome from his point of view. I mean, let's be honest, Trump had far more to defend coming into this, didn't he? He had, um, he had the civil unrest, he had the, uh, the, the way he handled the George Floyd thing, he had his taxes, uh, he had COVID. You know, it was from Trump's point of view, like, if this election happens six months ago, fucking he walks it, I swear to God, because if you think about it, the George Floyd thing and COVID and taxes all happened in this period for him. So he's got he's fighting back from a lot. He's got a lot of stake here. All Biden's got to do is just not fall asleep. <laughs> it like, it like imagine like Trump's briefing room and Biden's briefing room. In Trump's briefing room, it's like, okay, get into it, get you know, scrambling. You know, remember this. Remember about the federal laws. Remember the fact you weren't in control of what happened in Portland. In Biden's room, they're just going. Do you fancy another coffee, Joe? Have another coffee, Joe. <laughs> Biden was rattled, wasn't he? It was kind of like Roper, though, but he did he did uh, come back from it. And w- when he said, uh, "Would you shut up, man?" It was um, it was one of those things that then immediately you know is going to become like a gif or something, and and then you know social media quite predictably had a few people going, oh, "We are all Joe Biden," and you go, "Well, that's one of the mistakes of the kind of 
left-wing bubble that social media operates in is go well clearly we're not fucking all joe biden is it you know this is like uh this is could be a very close presidential race this is this is what they do though they just imagine that their response is the kind of lead response on anything i woke up the other day and there was uh john snow was trending not that one but the old channel four guy who's amazed by crowds of white people um, <laughs> he was trending and it was, an, it was a video of him basically putting a flea in Matt Hancock's ear he was going you're out of control cabinet don't want to go know what's going on basically with finger finger wagging in his face right old telling off the country's a laughing stock and then you know that got the we are all Jon Snow treatment and I thought we, we're not all Jon Snow and another issue that bugs me about that clip is obviously the lefties loved it but a week ago, when they were talking about launching GB News with Andrew Neil and all that stuff, they were sort of talking about how, how much they disliked partisan politics, you know, and showmanship and bombastic journalism. And then the moment it's someone they agree with, essentially giving it like almost finger jabbing Matt Hancock in his face going, yes, so much this. This is what journalism is. They don't realise that for most people, the definition of good journalism is just something, you know, that you really strongly agree with. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, if Jon Snow had ended that by sticking the nut on Matt Hancock, they would have gone, they finally, see, this is going back to the classic journalism of the 50s. Yeah, he should have headbutted him. Matt Hancock's lucky that he didn't fucking put a shiv in his ass. Um, <laughs> so I think one thing that came out was that we, we don't understand. When you look at the reaction uh, on Twitter, so like, like, first up, I woke up and I saw the reaction uh, to the sort of shambolic nature of the debate. I mean, the guy moderating it, that was a tough gig, man. I swear to God, I, I once commentated on jelly wrestling and it was a more dignified gig than that bloke just desperately trying to get in. And I know a lot of people, I mentioned this on Twitter, a lot of people are like, well, you've got to tell us more about jelly wrestling. I mean, it is what it sounds. I was uh, I was working for Nuts TV. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is why my feminist credentials don't always stand up. But remember that magazine? Well, they had a TV channel, briefly. And me and Comedy Dave were presenting a sports show and uh, they'd they'd gone to a pub in West London. I mean, this was only like 12 years ago, but it feels like a different era. And on Thursdays, they had like women jelly wrestling. So basically glamour models, jelly wrestling. <laughs> oh no, the good old days. Any young lads uh, listening? I'm sorry, lads, we, we blew it for you. It used to be a lot more fun than it is now. And um, yeah, I, I was shown the rushes of it and I had to commentate on it. So I wasn't actually there on the night, but uh, I was the following week. I'm joke. I'm joking. I'm joking. Where were we? Where were we? So talking about federal control in the States. I don't, I don't know how the fuck it came back to that. But Fed, one thing we don't understand, that was it, the social media reaction, right? So everyone just sees a few clips of Trump being a dick and they sort of decide that, that Biden smashed him, he schooled him, eviscerated him, all the usual, forensicked him. I don't think Biden at that age could forensic anything. I think the only forensic thing he has is colonoscopies. But that was a bit mean, was it? Fucking. What most people think. What we don't understand is that the states has way more on autonomy on a federal level. So some of the stuff that Trump was saying about the way that the riots following George Floyd were handled and the way that COVID was handled was true, right? It's not like here. We don't understand how much governors of states, you know, and state kind of like uh, local state politics have an influence. Randy, you, you say local council, right? And you just think of some... Some sort of specky bloke arguing over a bollard. Do you know what I mean? We don't understand how different laws and applications and taxes are done on a state-by-state basis. So when I watch the whole thing, which I'd advise anyone to do just to form your own opinion, Trump said some good stuff, right? Trump said some in- in interesting stuff, I thought. I just think the weird thing for him is he lets himself down, actually, 
when he because that's the one thing if I was an American I'd just be going please Donald just fucking be presidential just for a while man does it always have to be this chaotic because when he did that he's the guy in power he's the incumbent I thought it played out well for him but Biden what Biden's doing is he's doing a similar thing to Starmer you know he's, he's trying to have his cake and eat it so Biden's sort of saying oh you didn't lock down soon enough people died What's going on with the economy? Yeah, well, this is the whole point about COVID, isn't it? Like, it's a trade-off between lockdown and life. It's difficult. Life and livelihoods, you know? We're already seeing a spike in kind of suicide rates and other associated things from COVID. So this is a fucking difficult trade-off that everyone's making. But you think we buy this, either one or the other. Either you want strict lockdowns everywhere, like there seems to be more so in democratic states, or you want the economy to flourish. You can't, like, discount, like, something that's so clearly cause and effect he's like you know Trump is funny as well Trump is funny that's what I forgot is that every once in a while he'll just hit a zinger you know remember with Hillary when he said you'd be in jail he hit a line like that on Biden when Biden was asking him about you know why are you still doing the big outdoor rallies uh, he goes I'm doing much smaller events Biden said and Trump went yeah because nobody wants to come Joe <laughs> I know it's fucking childish and I'm sorry maybe like I'm toxic masculine whatever there was a, a debate in New Zealand between uh, Jacinda, uh, Jacinda Ardern, she's amazing. I wish the whole world was run by women. And um, uh, somebody had chronicled the beginning of the debate where they were kind of being apologetic to each other, like, no, you go, you go, no, you go, you go. And I sort of thought, I'm clearly a bad person because that would annoy the fuck out of me. As much as Trump and Biden squabbling excessively is annoying, I don't really want two people just desperately trying not to seem nasty. You know what I mean? Fucking get in there. <laughs> Have a debate. Trump is funny. Sometimes. Biden was essentially an old guy that really didn't want to go into the care home. So he was putting on his best when he got like, you could see the fear in his eyes every time he had like a minor slip of something, but then he just had like fast forward to images of him playing like fucking dominoes for the rest of his life. And he just suddenly kicked back into life. And, you know, he just, he was trying not to, um, he was trying not, he, he just didn't want to sound like uh, Grandpa Abe from The Simpsons. <laughs> I remember when this was all fields. Look, I think what most people think, I think a fair reading of that is that simply because he withstood the onslaught from Trump being a dick, I think Biden shaded it. But I think that there were signs there that I think Trump won't dip far below that level. I think if you get Biden on a bad day, some of the debates to come could be a bit of a, I want my bedroom. Okay, quick hype here. Hype to the... I don't know why I suddenly started speaking in Garage MC. Yes, yes. Hype to the five pound Patreons. Mac Peters. Max Peters and Julian Smart. Yes, we all start. Garage in the place when you know it. So, oh, I couldn't write. Fuck it, I was on a roll there, wasn't I? Remember the old Garage? Remember that? That's now old music, man. That's fucking what pisses me off when you're like, when you have on Kiss Tree and they start playing like, uh, do you really like it? And all the kids, oh my God, my mum was into this. Yeah, fuck you, little shit. Um, so those are five pound new patrons this week. Again, if you are a patron and you feel that you haven't had your shout out yet, message me through the Patreon website. That's one of the benefits. I read every message. I respond to most of them. As I say, stick with the Patreon because News Desk is coming again next week. I'm going to try and expand it a little bit. I, mean, I took a lot of people's feedback. So some people said in a good way it was a bit like the MASH report, but I think I, you know, it's no bad thing, but I think I can develop it further than that. I've got another idea for a little format. Uh, the, today, as I'm recording this, the R rate is coming down. So all the people that said it was the government's fault when it was going up, I wonder if they're going to now go online and go, actually, yeah, well done, government. No, they're not going to do it. They're going to moan about something else. They're going to pretend that Boris was going to fucking Perugia or wherever it was. Uh, the R rate has come down. So I believe 
Now, Newcastle has been under lockdown. I think I think we're going to be all right. So in October, have a look at Live Nation Tour. I've got dates coming up in Worthing, Newcastle. But I think Worthing sold out, actually. Newcastle, Birmingham, uh, Leamington Spa. This is me. I'm now doing a Joe Biden where I'm just trying to do this from recall. Oh, oh my God. Um, <laughs> Leamington Spa. To the Maidenhead dates are sold out. And then there's a few that have been bumped into next year. But if you fancy getting tickets for spring, obviously, you know, you you lockdowners that basically want to lo- hibernate like a fucking bear, maybe set a date. Go, you know, the first time, once I've eaten all my stockpiled pasta, the first time I'm going to come up for air is for Jeff Norcott's show. So go on Live Nation and um, just put in Jeff Norcott. And if you want to join the Patreon, go on Patreon, what most people think, or Jeff Norcott, and become part of it because the benefits are ever-expanding. Like me in lockdown. And just a quick one here about uh, Fred Perry. So I don't know if you um, if you saw this. There was a far right group in America called the Proud Boys, right? Which uh, one thing I've noticed as well is there's something about there's something sinister about a name like that. Like I think if you were proud and boys, you wouldn't. It's but it's like being a tough guy, isn't it? You wouldn't say it, would you? Hey, I'm I'm really I'm really proud, by the way. You're going, okay, well, just, you know, this kind of thing that you would silently experience. It's a bit, I always thought that in pubs in South London, the ones with the friendliest name um, always were the most fucking violent. <laughs> I think there's one in ones called the Jolly Gardeners. You're always going to get a slap in at the Jolly Gardeners, oh yeah. It's just the worst place in the world to get glassed. I got glassed, where was that? The Jolly Gardeners. Just sounds like fucking, you got done in by Alan Titchmarsh. Um so what happened was Fred Perry got worried because there's this increasing association between their T-shirts, the, the black and gold version of the Fred Perry T-shirt, uh, which, guess what? Yours truly owns one. I've come on, I'm a bloke in my 40s, I'm working class. I, I, I think there's some sort of legally enshrined rule that I have to do this. But they've withdrawn them. So they've withdrawn them. I think that they, they quietly did it, but now they've drawn attention to it that we stopped making these in Canada and North America. Uh, and this, I just want to read you the, their statement here. To be absolutely clear, if you see any Proud Boys materials or products featuring our laurel wreath or any black, yellow, yellow related items, they have absolutely nothing to do with us. And we are working with our lawyers to pursue any unlawful use of our brand. Okay, I mean, like, first things first, I would always think that clothes were not necessarily, like, if someone just chose to wear the clothes you made and were bad people that wouldn't necessarily mean that that's what you intended. I don't know if you need to make that fucking distinction. Anyway, the quote goes on. We are proud of its lineage and what the Laurel Reef has represented for over 65 years. (laughs) Inclusivity, diversity, and independence. Has it? Has Has the Fred Perry really, for 65 years... Is that just your worry? This is what it's this classic situation we've discussed in this podcast many a time. Is they shit the bed, the corporate entities, don't they? What's it? What the fuck is the problem? Quick, withdraw it, withdraw it. Tell them uh, we're about inclusivity, inclusivity, diversity. Yeah, look, I'm not saying that the people that wear your things are necessarily uh, oh, the overwhelming majority are good people. I, when I'm buying a Fred Perry T-shirt, I'm not going. Oh, look how inclusive and diverse that. Fred Perry t-shirt is. I just think it's basically something looks semi-smart and means I can continue not wearing a shirt. Fuck. And then the quote went on. Uh, They said, it's a shame that we even have to answer questions like this. No, we don't support the ideals of the group that you speak of. So what that suggests to me, right, and this is where the media pissed me off, is that a journalist has said... So uh, the, the, the Proud Boys have been wearing your gold and black t-shirt. Does that, does that mean you support them? Uh, no. Just such a stupid question to ask. 
Does it, does this mean that you are that you you support them because you made a thing that a small amount of people are with? No, it fucking doesn't. Stop asking stupid questions. But then equally, the company could just be just say that. Look, obviously, you know we make t-shirts, right? Yeah, we're we're not making fucking outfits for the Gestapo. You know what I mean? We're not Hugo Boss, right? <laughs> Look around the room. No, fair enough. Um, yeah, so they, so that's one way of doing it, isn't it? You stop making a t-shirt, which incidentally throws under the bus a number of your non-fascist customers, because there I was, unwittingly being a flag bearer for the far right. Yeah, you could just make a stand, couldn't you, Fripper? You could just make a stand and say, this is just a t-shirt. We don't control who wears it. I mean, that everyone would understand. I go, yeah, you know, it's true. I mean, it is just a t-shirt, you know, fair enough. But but they, they shit the bed, don't they? It's a just, or, you know, and, and is, is there anything stopping the Proud Boys just switching to another colour? And then what, Fred Berry, just what, are they going to withdraw all of those? Or do you just make a stand and say, evidently, this is beyond our control. And if you're, you'd have to be stupid to think that we we're in any way complicit in this. It's like, you know, in the 90s, almost every, every arsehole was wearing Chevignon. Did Chevignon stop wearing, making clothes for arseholes? No, they didn't. And Naf Naf. That must have been weird, right, for Naf Naf. Do you remember that? They're both French brands, weren't they, in the 90s? And then suddenly, I was living in like sort of South London at the time, and every, every kind of rough kid from around the way was wearing Naf Naf and Chevignon. That must have been a real fucking shock. Um, must have been a real shock to them. They're going, who, what? They are wearing this in the Wandsworth? Why is he such assholes wearing a clothes? How did this happen? Um, I mean, this whole Fred Perry thing is just another example of uh, corporate paranoia because the thing is you you move in right the two people most paranoid about race are the liberal left and corporate entities right for some reason they just think that there's if anything happens they have to press the nuclear button right there's no nuance in their responses they they rather placate the media and piss off their entire customer base i would have said right in that interview where the into the report asks a stupid question i would say how do you think that feels to the hundreds of thousands of people who aren't racist that have bought this. If we withdraw it, do you not think that we are in some way throwing them under a bus? And you think, well, where the fuck is this going, Jeff? Look, I had three of those T-shirts. I want vouchers, Fred Perry. That's what it comes down to. I wish to be compensated. Reparations. Sort it out, Fred Perry. Your, your lack of vouchers is deaf. I mean, silence is deafening. So very quickly, I just want to pick up on this uh, this autumn thing. So I basically I went online and I said that like, as I say, you always have these people now that just say autumn's the best season, and I think it's so weird to like it comes after summer. It's sort of like expressing a preference for Boxing Day, isn't it? I don't, I don't fucking get these people. And then it it generated you know like a bit of debate. Is it, is it a woman thing? Is it? I don't. It seems to be more women that like autumn. Is it because you don't have to show flesh and you can just kind of hunker down? You know, it's kind. Of, some of that girly stuff they all like, you know, just curl up, you know, they like curling up women, I don't know where, they just curl up with a good book and, you know, and they put both of their hands around a mug of tea, I don't know if that's just some shit from the adverts, you know what I mean, and they were, they were really pretty leaves, I'm sorry, pretty leaves do not compensate me for the death of summer, oh, crunch, crunch under my feet, fuck you, pretty leaves, I don't give a shit about pretty leaves, I want sunshine, I want heat, if anything, I want vitamin D, autumn is pro-covid, Okay, if you are pro-autumn, you are pro the death of old people. I'm, I'm using sort of left-wing logic here, but please stick with it. I can't, I can't barbecue anymore. I mean, like, I maybe barbecued, like, I don't think I barbecued at all this year. Oh, no, no, twice. I did it twice, right? Well, I, can't, I can't sit in a pub beer garden. 
In the summer, summer's so amazing, it makes alcohol seem like a fantastic idea all the time. Do you know what I mean? You're out, it makes it just sunshine and alcohol. I don't notice the same in all countries, you know what I mean? A lot of countries think that actually when it's really hot, you should probably reduce your alcohol intake where there's some logic, but not in this country, okay? We don't enter in that sort of lily-livered bullshit. We, we drink more. <laughs> I like sitting in a pub beer garden. I like wearing shorts. I like it when you get up and you can just fucking, you know what I mean? You don't have to quickly get dressed because you're freezing, all right? Just, I don't know. I, look, it, basically, there's only one way to rank the seasons, which is, number one, actually is spring. Now, I know I'm bigging up summer here, but spring, everything's possible in spring. You get nice days, everything's blooming, the world smells better, you've still got summer ahead of you. Do you know what I mean? Spring is like the Christmas Eve of seasons. I love Christmas Eve as well, because it could still be a great summer, it could still be a great Christmas. Then it's summer, which is essentially Christmas Day. You know what I mean? Can be amazing, can be slightly over, but overall... It's better than it not being Christmas. Definitely better than Boxing Day, you fucking nutters. Then it is winter, because winter actually has Christmas. Now, a lot of people have said, and maybe I have some view, I might move slightly on this, is that winter contains Christmas, yes, but then it does have January and February. January, I mean, I normally get about five days in January where I feel really optimistic. Uh, February is is underratedly shitty as a month, isn't it? Um... But yeah, there is that payday at the end of January. That's normally quite a buzz. But yeah, look, maybe autumn could come third. I don't know. I don't know. But it also, autumn contains, you know, people say it's got Halloween. So I don't give a shit. And all that means to me is that you're open to American cultural imperialism. All right? Halloween was not a thing when I was a kid. Now, this is you just spend money on it. Do you know what I mean? Thank God for COVID. Is all I can. What most people think. No, or, or maybe actually given my views on herd immunity, maybe a bit of, you know, maybe we should crank up Halloween this year. Do you know what I mean? Instead of go, here's some chocolate and here's a lick on the face. I mean, (laughs) doing that with kids is going to be, well, it's going to take us back to what we discussed earlier regarding yew tree. I mean, you just can't, you can't, (laughs) you just can't lick kids on the face anymore. Real shame. When I was a kid, round my way, (laughs) you know, everyone, you get a little face lick off a stranger and you know mum your mum would say it's all right it's the old man from down the way he had a he had a rough time in the war he's never been the same. <laughs> oh, fucking halloween fireworks night fireworks night again when i was younger you used to go to an organized display or that was it and it happened within a very small amount of time and now every prick is letting off fucking fireworks in their garden and dogs I don't think we should build our world around dogs. People, you know, people get a bit eulogizy about dogs, don't they? We say, we don't deserve dogs. Look, sometimes they are fucking thieves, let's be honest. You know what I mean? They they love you because you take care of them, okay? They but you know, they give more than they take. They're certainly better than cats, fair enough. And they certainly don't deserve to once a year be suffering from shell shock. Do you know what I mean? They don't know they don't know. You cannot explain to a dog what a firework is. All they know is once a year Britain has like a civil war that lasts <laughs> that lasts about 10 days, right? And they don't get it. And they don't get like why we're... Because then what happens is, is the dog starts barking. And at first, you know, you go with the logic of kind of like, no, no, just, no it's all right, it's all right. And then you end up, shut the fuck up. And then so all they know is that Britain's under attack and you're scared too because you're shouting. They don't... They don't make that distinction. And then their war... They, and, you know, like, like, I mean, their war never ends as well. Because every year it comes around again, so they build up the fear, and they uh, they've just got PTSD, haven't they? Shell shock, whatever you want to call it. Someone actually said, 
Someone actually said online that you get a Harvest Festival. That's got to be the lamest argument for a season I've ever heard. What, Harvest Festival, when we fucking, we lob a couple of cans of alpha, alpha betty spaghetti at some geriatrics. That, I'm, not, I'm not buying the argument for autumn. I'm not buying it. It's just getting progressively colder. You know, at least with winter, you're quite early in winter, you get like the winter solstice, don't you? When is that? Like December the 23rd. So you go, oh, actually, from this point, it'll be getting lighter. Whereas autumn is like, just the dying of the light. I don't want to get all poetic. And the worst argument, just before we wrap up this thing that I'm definitely right about, and if you if you disagree, I don't fucking want to hear it at what most people think UK at gmail.com. Because I'm just not I'm happy to have nuanced views on things, but I'm just, I've been quite disturbed in what I've heard. Men like in autumn. Men like in autumn. One guy, and I'll end on this, he said um he said that we remember Jeff. In autumn, you get girls in cute jumpers. You absolute fucking mangina. <laughs> what, who, what kind of man says that? What about in summer, you get girls in revealing clothes. That's better, isn't it? Isn't it? What, just a jumper. What kind of... You, you, mate, right? What has happened to men in this country? You, mate, you've watched too many mid-90s rom-coms. You have. Too many things with Jennifer Aniston or fucking Matthew McConaughey in. You could look at it as you get women in cute jumpers. You could also look at it that women's bodies are starting a long, slow hibernation that will last to the spring. That is nothing to celebrate. Okay, so as promised here, we're going to go with reactions to the episode with Tanya Edwards here. So this is the new right of reply thing when I have a guest, and this will be open to Patreon customers, okay? So I've picked out a few here. There were loads of responses, and like I say overwhelming majority of people thought it was great. Uh, some people came back on a few things. So I've picked out a few here and I'll read through now. This is from Adrian. Uh, hey Jeff, it's not that I agreed with Tanya's perspective entirely. Uh, sorry, disagreed. I too am frustrated at the idea of yet another lockdown. What I found frustrating was with her approach was that it seemed to be entirely based on the dual notions that A, the government wonks, experts, health professionals were all wrong, are wrong and will be wrong forever and b that anyone in favor of a second lockdown is some sort of unthinking freedom hating lemon just itching to follow a government off the proverbial cliff i mean look adrian you make a fair point there we are living in a culture war it is always <laughs> we just divide things don't they liberty lovers versus the bedwetters leavers versus ramonas it is funny the way that we bring these things down i mean look i've just had a fairly impassioned rant about autumn um one thing that was unfortunately left out of the um, of the edit because there was distortions on the line was we we did discuss the idea of why if it's so obviously wrong right why are the government doing this and I, you know I, I struggle to come up with an answer for that myself like look, just to remind you where I'm at I am a fairly strong lockdown skeptic but I don't believe that the government are just deliberately fucking um, things up I suppose what it is is a very human thing in a way is that. It might be an overcorrection because you've got to remember these are people in power. And last time, you know, when the cases were going up, when we get a thousand deaths a day, when we passed the 40,000 deaths mark, they are the people that were steering the ship at this time. So that doesn't excuse it. But I think what you're possibly seeing is a little bit of overcorrection uh, based on that. And we also have one from uh, Richard, another patron. He said, Tanya. Uh, went also, he, this was a longer letter, but I picked out this point. Tanya also went down the now fashionable Swedish herd immunity route. It does need pointing out that Sweden does have restrictions. There are no public gatherings, table service only, and social distancing outside of the rule, outside of the rule of law of six law. 
Sorry, I fucked up completely. And social distancing outside of the rule of six law, their restrictions aren't a million miles from the ones we have now. Okay, so they don't have a rule of six law. I mean, yeah, there is that issue where Sweden has now become... Like you can just win an argument by going, Sweden. It's a very strange time we live in. I said this recently, you know, I never expected this year to have a favourite virologist. That's a weird thing, isn't it? Everyone's got their go-to guy going, actually, you know who's putting out some really good shit? <laughs> this is a... This is what's happened to us. You know, we used to be into like DJs or bands. Now we're into like, hey man, Professor Carl Sikora is just like dropping some mad shit right now. <laughs> I think that, you know, there needs to be like a Rotten Tomatoes for, or an IMDB or like a kind of rate my virologist page so people can give their views and go, yeah, you know, he's really strong on graphs. He doesn't seem to give a shit about fatalities, mine. But yeah, I think that there's probably the idea of Sweden as some sort of utopia has taken root. I think that this also happened with left-wing socialists in Iceland about five years ago. Or was it Finland? They just thought everything that was happening there was absolutely fine because they stood up to the banks, man. Uh, Another layer here. Great podcast. Uh, This from Eddie Swales. It was refreshing to hear someone more left-leaning attack the idea that the gross reaction, overreaction, last six months has been a compassionate response. As Christopher Snowden, who's already appeared on this podcast, pointed out in last week's Spectator, how strange that people who believe the dubious factoid about 130,000 people dying of, inverted commas, austerity, see no negative health consequences from this economic self-immolation. Yeah, I mean, this is something I've mentioned for the last few weeks, is that the lack of dissent to strict lockdown on the left is, is, is interesting. It's surprising, isn't it? Because, you know, we're all told, you know, like these right-wing authoritarian Tories, you give them an inch, they take a mile, and then they're doing it, and I'm kind of on side. I'm like, hey, lefties, this, this is it's happening. And they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually fine with it. I'm actually fine with it. So they, they find other things to be angry with the government about, like Loris, like Loris, like Boris, you know, misspeaking. They act like, you know, I, look, government officials should be completely briefed on all the lockdown restrictions. But I would argue... That this week, him getting one thing wrong in a speech wasn't as big as the legislation that was being put through, which gave no right of legal recourse if you were wrongly identified in the process of contact tra- tracing, right? So, um, so yeah, I find it surprising people can get more upset about a gaffe than the fact that there's legislation going through which genuinely impinges on civil liberties. So on social media this week, I was also talking about arsehole animals or nature's biggest pricks, right? And I, I posited that, that it's the swan. I think I've mentioned this before, like I just hate swans. They, When me and my son go for a walk with the dog, they'll often swim over because we live near a river and they'll swim over from one side all the way over just to hiss. Absolute wankers, mate. Because they're, cause they're great looking animals and they know it. Don't they know it, eh? Don't they fucking know it? So... I went online and kind of said that swans are nature's biggest pricks. And we got some interesting reactions. Um, some people felt that Canadian geese, you know, they're, they're not even, they haven't even got the looks to back it up, apparently. Crows, crows are fairly big pricks. Horses can be, but at least horses, you know, they've got a little bit in their lineage. They go back a bit. Like we've, We fought in wars, do you know what I mean? Or swans with hooves, maybe, is another way of looking at them. But one uh, listener wrote in and said, this is from Evelyn, a question for your letters page, inspired by your Twitter feed this week. Who would win in a fight between a hissing swan or a small angry dog? Well, Evelyn, certainly when it comes to my dog, who is a fucking coward, we were walking down around a nature reserve and there was some swan that was just randomly standing in the middle of the path. 
And it was hissing and being a prick. It was quite, it was on the big side, you know what I mean? Looked like he'd broken a few arms. And uh, he started giving out. And I was with my dog and I thought, I'm not backing down here. So I, I don't know if anyone else has ever done this, but I was wearing a jacket and I kind of used it to make myself look bigger. Like I have fucking wings or something. And uh, the swan light rose up even more and was hissing. And I was like, okay, we're in a situation here. And then I remembered that my dog is an absolute pussy. She started... She doesn't even like whimper. She screamed. My, has anyone else had a dog that's done this? She actually screamed. And I thought this is just. So I had to turn around. It's the most humiliating thing. Humiliating thing. I had to turn around. And in my mind, as I was walking back the other way, the uh, the swan was trash talking me. You know. Yeah. You you turn around, old man. Yeah. You're not you're not in your thirties anymore. Forty year old guy with carpal tunnel. But yeah, you you go back the other way. I had to walk back a really long way around to get there. I just didn't feel like my dog had my back in that situation. So I have a very clear answer to this, is that certainly when it comes to my household, the swan wins every time because the dog gives it all the chat. You know, she's a bit like all the women I dated in my 20s. You know, she starts all the fights but never really finishes them. Okay, so that is pretty much the end of uh, this week's podcast. We have a couple of £3 patrons, Max Saunders, and Paul Inman, thank you for joining up this week. You know, hopefully, with the R rate going down, people might have a little bit more confidence where instead of spending three weeks thinking that the economy is going to tank, they might, or just close at any given point, people might get a bit more consumer confidence back and we might get the Patreon numbers moving again. Uh, we have some uh, reviews here. Five-star reviews. If you leave me a five-star review on iTunes, I will read them out. This is from Danger Russ. Uh, fan of Jeff on the telly box. Only just found the pod. I mean, people say that. Oh, I didn't know you had a podcast. I think that I go on about this all the fucking time on Twitter. But evidently, there's a reason that you need to tweet things all the time. Uh, I'm just working my way through these. I love the way Jeff navigates issues with such succinct and every way, every man language. And by every man, I think you mean swearing. Uh, this is from Keith Horton. Mr. Hotton, God, you're stalking me. Um, Jeff's down-to-earth humour is infectious. It's grown on me over the lockdown period. Till now, it's a highlight of the week. Oh, thanks, mate. I really enjoy doing this. And let's remember, one of the points of the, pod- uh, the Patreon is to keep the podcast weekly and ad-free. It started at the beginning of lockdown. It's carrying on. I now, it's a gig for me. Do you know what I mean? I may well put more time in these. And God, this has gone a bit wanky, in it? But look, the bottom line is I really appreciate that, mate, because I'm putting in the work. And it's great to see the numbers growing. We're now averaging 15,000 downloads a week, which is fucking incredible. You know, uh, <laughs> some of the bigger podcasts going, not really, Jeff. You know, some of us get 400,000. Fuck you, all right? I am a good upper-medium range performer. Um, this one is from Steve7419. There are quite a few podcasts out there that buck the orthodoxy now. I like lots of them, but they can be a bit nerdy. What most people think, on the other hand, is closest to sound like something that could be a proper mass media radio show. Jeff, had, this just sounds like something I've written to try and tout for a, a paid radio gig. Uh, Jeff has a real lightness of touch, even when doing serious stuff. Really entertaining. He also will work for less than some of the... <laughs> no, it's just joking. I didn't write that. I swear to God, that was from Steve. Uh, this is from Middle Stump 1. Tanya Edwards is 100% correct. I thought I was on my own little world until I heard Tanya Edwards. I agree with everything she says. I too am angry. We are being run by people who are at worst deliberately massaging or at worst not understanding uh, the numbers. Um, Great podcast. Thank you very much for that. This is from, I can't even read that name. Uh, This podcast must be a Russian bot. So let's read like Russian bot. 
Uh, hi, Jeff. This podcast has been total lifesaver through lockdown. Absolutely love your down-to-earth, funny, and common-sense take on events. One small complaint. I've been listening to old episode, and in one you did a political fight between Dominic Rob and Kiel Stammer, but missed out a vital fact. Rob is a karate black belt and a boxer. Rematch, please. Uh, is this was that just Dominic Rob in disguise? <laughs> uh, I was a bit burnt by that. And uh, I think we've got one more. And this is from Johnny the Libertarian. Uh, living as I do, it basically a posh part of a northeast ex-mining town and steel town. Most of my time is spent in the company of the new left wing, i.e., people who are usually in well-paid public sector jobs, but inexplicably use words like solidarity and commentariat. Jeff's hour-long libertarian monologues and great guests, Pierre Novelli was my favourite, are a much-needed break. Biggest compliment I can give Jeff is that I've seen him twice live, and both he had me and my extreme left-wing father-in-law and friend, John. We both thought he was hilarious. Keep up the non-unionised work. Last week's one was a bit, not downbeat, but, you know, there was lockdown restrictions looming. It was a bit serious. So let's end with positivity here. The R-rate is coming down. Let's let's unlock a bit more. Let's open up the swimming pools. Let's get fans back in football stadium. Are you getting ahead of yourself, Jeff? Yeah, I think I'm a bit. Let's let's all come to Jeff's tour. Let's let's have an announcement about that, Professor So-called Witty. Street.